Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean, the weekend edition. First of yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Sunday and Saturday, because those are the days weekends usually happen. Uh, drinking. Jeez, there's been a lot of talk about drinking lately, hasn't there? And we're going to continue to do that on today's podcast. Uh, the Commonwealth Games are coming up. Uh, is a, uh, there's a bloke who's a wrestler who's going. He's also a canoe polo player as well. Uh, farmers markets, are they back and humming? And we'll finish up with Greg Hoffman, who is the Nike man. But before any of that, um, Health New Zealand is uh, up and running, but the GPs haven't really heard much about it. That's weird, isn't it? As a GP, my guess would be that you have received numerous communiques and PDFs and briefings as to how the health system's going to kick in. Um, what can you tell us about it? Well, Tim, with a lot of diagrams with a lot of uh, bubbles and a lot of lines going to each one, but day to day, it's made no difference to us whatsoever. We've still, every day is exactly the same. Uh, we can't see at the coalface this making any difference to us. And, and to be honest, uh, with every, you know, we've heard a lot about the health reforms, but we're still waiting to see where general practice fits into this whole, into the health reform vision. We, we still don't know. We're still pretty much in the dark. Because one would imagine it was sort of business as usual, but what are your fears around what's fa- what uh, general practice is going to be facing? Oh, Tim, the big issue that we've got at the moment is, is our workforce, and and uh, inextricably linked to that is is our funding. Our funding model has been broken for two decades now, and. Uh, when we get funded every year uh, by below consumer price index, our health inflation runs at rough two times consumer price index. Um, I think what the listeners probably don't realise is what GPs actually charge as a co-payment to the patient and what we actually get funded by the government is both of those are actually controlled by the government. Now that's gone, that's increased every year. Um, well, for 18 out of 19 years, that's been increased at below consumer price index. Oh, it's always so depressing when doctors you know, tell us that everything's bad. It's, you know, you tend to believe things that doctors say, don't you? All I know is I've spent a lot of time at the doctor recently and it's cost me a lot of money, which doesn't make me feel better. The doctor made me feel better but the bill didn't make me feel better. Um, We're going to move on to uh, uh, drinking and sport Um, and the connection and Jack Tame talking about it. Now, there'll be some people who think it's inconsistent for Chloe Swarbrick, of all people, to crack down on booze when she was a public advocate for legalising cannabis. They missed the point, though. She isn't advocating to ban alcohol. She doesn't want alcohol prohibition. She wants to take a few little steps in order to reduce alcohol harm. Alcohol arguably causes the most harm of any drug in New Zealand. Think about that. Not weed. Not not even pee. Alcohol. I doubt that Chloe Swarbrick's bill will make it into law in its current form, but at the very least, our politicians will have to debate it. And until now, every time this issue comes up, every time you press a politician in an interview, they hum and ha, they reorder their papers, they mumble and duck for cover. They're scared of the alcohol lobby and they're scared of being called nanny state. But this time, this time, thanks to the biscuit tin, 
There is no running from the debate. See, the trouble with this podcast is that I don't, it's only highlights, so I don't play the whole thing, and so we have no idea what he was talking about with the biscuit tin. Um, but I'm going to leave that as a bit of a mystery. If you really want to know, you can go onto the News Talk ZB website and go back and have a listen. The rest of the points I thought were excellent. Uh, um, now, the Commonwealth Games. Yes, this Commonwealth Games. I know it seems like the Olympics only just happened, but I think they were a bit late, weren't they? Commonwealth Games seem to be running on time at the moment, and uh, Cole Hawkins is going to them because he's a wrestler. He's also a, a, a canoe polo player as well. How did that happen? Before we even get to the wrestling, you have represented New Zealand at the canoe polo world champs. Now, tell us about that. Yeah, so I um, went to high school, and my stepbrother, actually, he went to the wrong meeting. He was supposed to go to water polo, ended up going to canoe polo. I went down to watch, and I thought, this is an awesome sport. So I got into that. Um, and then, yeah, started started doing that pretty seriously and made the Under-21 World Championships team in 2016 to go to Italy. Um, went there, loved it even more. Decided the next year I'd uh, stay overseas in Europe and train a bit over there. And then in 2018, I managed to make the New Zealand men's team to go to the World Champs in Canada. And beyond that, did you continue with the sport, or was that kind of one and done for you? So I did those two, the Under-21 World Champs in uh, 2016 and the Senior Men's World Champs in 2018. And then this year, actually, I was named in the World Games team to go to uh, Birmingham to compete um, with the team there. But the timing didn't line up with the Commonwealth Games um, due to a bit of the wrestling schedule changing. And, yeah, the lead-up to the Commonwealth Games is a bit more important, I think. Wow. So you'd still obviously been, been competing. If you were named in a team for this year, still obviously competing. So were you able to, to compete and train in canoe polo as well as the wrestling? Yeah, so there's a little bit of a crossover there. In uh, canoe polo, it's a lot of kayaking and um, pulling strength. And that, that actually uh, works well in wrestling when you're doing a lot of pulling with that. Um, and the fitness and stuff from wrestling definitely crosses over. I was focusing a lot more on wrestling, but still occasionally getting in my boat and making sure the skills are still there for that. I've often thought the hardest thing about uh, canoe polo is um, uh, fitting the life jackets to the horses. Getting them in, in and out of the canoes is tricky too, obviously. Look, I am licensed to tell dad jokes. How many times do I have to tell you that? Hey, uh, farmer's market's still a thing? Like, you know, COVID, post-COVID, all that? Apparently. I've got to ask, how is the market going? Great, actually. Everybody's come back, you know, uh, after the couple of lockdowns and uh, times have been hard. But, um, the, yeah, it, it's got, got its sense of community back and uh, we're getting some exciting new um, produce coming through. So, yes, we're pleased. It's, it's been an up and down couple of years for everyone, but it's nice to see everybody back and, yeah, to have some fun again. It's funny, isn't it? We talk a lot on the show about the things... That the pandemic has made us reckon with, and I, I think that for a lot of people, one of those things is that they want a better connection to their food, and that actually being able to give people a real, you know, farm to table experience is actually quite important to more people than it perhaps was before the pandemic. Do you get that sense at the market as well? Oh, absolutely! It's huge. Um, I just need a lot more people growing because we can barely keep up with demand you know um the 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 thing is um i think when you're at home for that period of time you start to focus in on what it is you're actually eating yeah um and and your sense of flavor it becomes it becomes food not fuel oh isn't it just so great that um covid's finished um that we don't have to worry about it anymore 
nobody's getting it. Nobody's getting sick. You know, we can just go everywhere with no masks on and just breathe all over each other and... It's awesome. Um, I actually guilted some people into putting their masks on the other day. It was quite fun. It's quite a fun thing to do. I was at, I was at the theatre. And I was the only person actually at the theatre at the time in a mask. And um, some people I knew came up to me and they were talking to me and they said, oh, do we have to wear masks in here? And I said, oh, I'm not sure if you have to or not, but, you know, I just would prefer not to get COVID again because it wasn't very pleasant the last time. They immediately put their masks on. It was quite funny. Uh, we're going to finish up here uh, with Greg Hoffman. He uh, worked at Nike uh, at the time that, you know, Nike was... Whew. Tell me, what do good marketers sell? Do they sell a product? Do they sell a dream? Do they sell inspiration? Do they sell a story or... All of the above. Well, it's a bit of all of the above, but I think at our best, um, we're empowering our audience uh, to achieve their dreams and aspirations. I think that's what great marketers do, and quite frankly, that's what great products and services do. Um, they they empower people in ways that um, allow them to reach their potential. So, what makes a great brand marketer? Well, there's three characteristics that I think are absolutely crucial. The first is empathy, right? Because uh, if you're creating a story or a piece of communication, your job is to dig deep and get under the surface of your subject to reveal an insight or truth that oftentimes is invisible. So the best stories are when you reveal that in a profound way. And curiosity um, we need curiosity as marketers because we need different points of inspiration to apply during that creative process. And ultimately, that's what creates distinction, being able to essentially play in the intersections in terms of what you see in the world and bringing that all together to revealing something that is, is quite unique. And then finally, risk taking, right? And um, as I say in the book, uh, innovation is rarely created with caution. And so I think you need to, it's hard to do that on your own. So it's about cultivating a culture of risk-taking and dreaming, if you will, um, within your business, whether it's, uh, whether it's a business of 10 individuals within your organization or 10,000. Yeah, you see, they were never selling shoes. They were selling dreams. And what price can you put on a dream? I'm Glenn ZB. I used to work in marketing too. Uh, that has been News Talk ZB. And it, I think you'll find that this is the best um, highlights of News Talk ZB podcast on the market today. Um, it's it's 100% better. Um, I'm Glenn ZB. And uh, we'll see you again tomorrow with more meaningless stuff like that.